Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and today's episode is full of practical tips to make your summer programs inclusive to all kids and families. My guest today is Kim Botto, and I'm telling the truth when I say that I was taking notes during this entire podcast for my own parenting knowledge and to help me be a better volunteer in our kids' ministry. Kim has so many years of kids' ministry experience, and now she gets to travel to conferences and churches to encourage ministry leaders as they work to care for foster families, special needs families, and kids who have experienced trauma. Before we jump into this conversation with Kim, I want to share with you our latest resource. Spring is here and the bittersweet season of sending the biggest kids off into youth ministry is quickly approaching. With this pivotal celebration smashed between Easter and summer, it can easily get forgotten. Don't let that happen. We've created a Promotion Sunday gift guide to help you plan graduation events with intention, partner with parents, work alongside your fellow staff members, give encouraging gifts, and celebrate well. The gift guide is full of perfect gifts for your graduation kids, and we even added a little mini gift guide for your graduating preschoolers. Head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash blog to see the Promotion Sunday gift guide. Now on to my conversation with Kim. Kim, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Thank you, Lauren. Glad to be here. Yes. Okay. Why don't you start off the conversation by introducing yourself? Tell us who you are, how you got started in ministry, and what you're up to now. Okay. Um, So I'm Kim Botto, and I have always loved kids. Uh, Even in high school, I always served in the church, in the children's ministry, Um, I took a detour in the business world and stayed home with my kids for a while. I have five children. And then I started serving in the local church on staff. And the I so I served in the local church as children's ministry and student ministry staff for decades. The last church I served at, I was there for 16 years, leading kids and students, as well as our initiatives around adoption and foster care. And it was a large multi-site church. We had 11 sites, which was super great for what I'm doing now because we had sites with, you know, 20 to 30 kids. And then we had sites with thousands of kids. So a bunch of different contexts. And after I um, went off staff at a church, I worked for a local nonprofit with kids who are multi-system involved. It's actually teens and young adults, meaning that they were all in the uh, care of the state. So they were foster kids or living in group homes. And then also they were involved in other systems, whether it be alternative school, um, the criminal justice system, because my, my heart is for kids and students who have unique backgrounds and abilities mm-hmm. and needs and, and it's just helping them find a place within the church, not just to come, but to actively participate, have a sense of belonging, be able to serve. And so now I'm actually, my kids refer to it as um, kind of retired. I retired from my my staff position in February. And so what I'm doing now is um, I speak at conferences and work with churches who are struggling, particularly with kids who are having behaviors they don't know how to respond to. Mm-hmm. I have 10 grandkids, ages one to eight. 
Yeah. Ten. So it's oh. fun. They're all the same age. We go out and they think we're a, they go, are you a daycare? Like, no, we're a family. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do they all live close by? Um, yeah. The one who uh, moved away lives about a mile and a half from here. Oh. In other words, they actually, they actually all moved away. Uh-huh. But I think as um, many young parents can relate to, once you start having kids, you want your kids to be around family and you mm-hmm. want the support of your family. And so they all ended up one by one returning. That's so awesome. What sweet memories get to be made? Are you, yeah. uh, what's your grandparent name? Gigi. Cute. That's so cute. How fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so thankful that you could join us on the podcast and this is perfect timing because May is actually national foster care month. And so I love that we get to have this conversation during the month of May. Um, even though it's not May when we're recording this and it's just about to be May. So we'll call it what it is. Um, And so kind of as we jump into this conversation, I want us to talk specifically about summer events and kind of as ministry leaders are looking towards the summer and looking towards the fall, um, sometimes it's really hard to think about kids with special needs, kids with unique family environments um, as we enter these different summer programming events. So kind of like my first question to throw your way is, how can you begin to train yourself as a leader to think about kids of all kinds? It's really easy to think about the child who has no problem jumping into a classroom for the first time, can sit and listen to a large group story, can engage in conversation, can make friends easily. And we just know that all kids can't do that. It's not as easy and not as simple for every kid to engage in the picture perfect way. Um, and so talk to the leaders who are listening, who are creating different things for the summer, whether that's a VBS, a kids camp, a preteen hangout, a park play day, church-wide barbecues, all of those different unique environments where they want all their kids to be involved. What does that look like to think about every child who could potentially come to a special event in the summer? Well, first of all, I want to go back to your comment where you were saying, um, you know, the kids who do what you say and they sit compliantly and all that. And I think us as ministry leaders realizing that telling them again and again in a louder and firmer voice isn't necessarily what that child needs Mm. in order to comply. They may need more. They may simply be unable. And, you know, the number of what was called invisible special special needs is increasing mm-hmm. dramatically. So there are kids with whether we whether we want to call it special needs, neurodiversity, um, disabilities in our ministry that we're not even even aware of the unique needs that that child has. Yeah. Um, you know, autism. The statistics just came out. It's one in thirty-six now. One in thirty-six kids are diagnosed with autism. So if you have a if you have an event with you know a hundred kids, you're going to have at least three kids in there who are diagnosed with with autism. That's just mm-hmm. one yeah. um, special need. But as far as what leaders should do, I love uh, the quote: "Be curious, not judgmental." Ooh, and that's I think good. that's one thing we can do. 
be curious when a kid comes in and maybe they're not behaving in the way that we had hoped. They're not meeting the expectations that we have rather than immediately go and try to stop the behavior um, or, you know, reprimand them, discipline them, be curious and get down on their level and look in their eyes and really try to dig underneath what's causing that behavior. You know, maybe it's a, you mentioned um, a family barbecue. So maybe it's a barbecue where there's clowns and there's music and there's all these things going on. This might be a child who has sensory issues where Mm -hmm. it is just too much. And so us getting down in a soft, quiet voice really helps us realize what that one child needs. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do. Meet every kid's. Yeah, that's awesome. How can you, let's take this like fall barbecue or the summer barbecue Um, and like, I know our church does a big one Sunday that happens outside and service happens out in the parking lot and there's food trucks and all these things. How can you partner with special needs families in that? And, and maybe that's giving them a heads up. Maybe that's inviting them in to maybe planning a special space just for special needs families to hang out. That's maybe a little bit quieter. So what does that look like to, in your special events, partner with these families? Yeah, I think I think first of all, talk to them. You know, in order to partner, we need to communicate with them mm-hmm. and ask them what is best for your child. Yeah. This is what we're doing. What's best for your child? Because if they tell us something, it's probably going to be best for other kids too. Mm. So the first thing would be talk to the parents who have kids with um unique needs and then the environment that you're talking about, you know, sounds super fun and lots going on. I think also think of what are some quiet spaces that we can create, whether it be, you know, craft corners where there's um, beads. We -hmm. started in our youth ministry, whenever we had these big activities, we always had a corner of the room where the girls who needed some quiet activity and maybe didn't want to talk to people, they could make bracelets and necklaces. Mm -hmm. Um, have, you you can even put tents, put some tents on the outskirt and quieter areas with some fidgets in there where kids and their families can go in and they can still come out and enjoy time with others. But then when they need to just kind of recharge, they have these quiet spaces to go into. But really the experts in this will be your parents and your community. Talk to them. And well, the parents are definitely experts. Also, um, Special needs teachers, occupational therapists, I have always relied so heavily on them. They may not want to work every weekend in your ministry, but they've got so much information, um, so much experience. So go to them and get them to help you create spaces Mm -hmm. that will meet the needs of all kids. Yeah, that's so smart. I love that idea because I feel like sometimes without that communication with parents, parents feel like they can't attend because it's just too hard. It's just going to be too much of a big ordeal. The unknowns of what could happen can really deter parents from even attending. And I feel like just stepping out and moving towards those families and saying, hey, we want you to be a part of this. We want you to attend. We want you to be a part of the greater church community and what we're doing. So how can we make this space work for you and your family, I think going that extra step would really be able to bridge a beautiful gap between 
what what they could miss out on as a family and being a part of the church community. So I think that is so smart and encouraging. Now shifting gears a little bit to and I would say oh, and I'll ahead. say one thing on that too. Then when you advertise it, you can put on there that there will be sensory friendly activities mm. or sensory friendly um, areas. And that communicates to families who do have kids with special needs and disabilities that we're thinking of you. We're yeah. making, you can also say that it's, um, you know, accessible to all abilities. And then you need to make mm. sure it is, you know, right. make sure that you don't need steps and that yep. you're not trying to get through sand to get to an activity, you know, there's nice paved walkways everywhere, but you want to, otherwise people don't know. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, what's, what's the right language there? I like what remind our (laughs) listeners what you said, because I want like part of me talking to you is just, I'm also learning. And I feel like sometimes the language shifts around what's appropriate and what's the kindest way to communicate that. So just remind us what you just said about like, what could you put on a flyer? What could you tell people in your neighborhood? What's the kindest way to communicate this? Um, okay. Well, what I said was sensory friendly uh-huh. and because it's the language is ever changing. And there was a recent post on Instagram that said, hey, don't use special needs, use disabled or disability. And I read the comments and I was very interested in it. So I shared it and just asked my community, like, what do you, what do you Mm -hmm. think? Yeah. And the responses were all over the place. Some people are offended by disabled because they Mm -hmm. said this means no and not able. They they think they're able. Um, Others don't like special needs because it's triggering to them. Um, So it's very hard. I think one, let's be grace filled with each other Mm. and, um, talk to your community, find out what terminology is used in your schools. Um, you know, going with the same terminology your schools use Mm -hmm. is a great strategy. Talk to your families. It's also okay to do, you know, special needs slash disabilities or just use terms like sensory friendly, which that which that will communicate to people. We yeah. are trying to create spaces for all kids. I think the most important thing, you know, if you're talking one-on-one, it's easy because you can, you know, Lauren, I could, if you had a child um with something going on with them, I could say, what what language do you want me to use? Right. The the harder part is when we're trying to label a ministry or create communication that mm-hmm. tells people that we're open yep. to all. Yeah. And I like what you said also about the open, we're open to all abilities. Right. Like I think that is a yeah, that's a great kind, that's a kind way to say it as well. Um so shifting gears a little bit to those summer programmings that are uh, pretty familiar in the church, whether that's camp, whether you have a organization coming in and putting on a week-long camp, uh, maybe you are hosting a VBS or maybe you are hosting a special midweek program over the summer. What does it look like to train those volunteers who are working just for that event? Maybe they don't serve in your ministry on Sunday morning, and maybe they are coming just to serve at VBS. Maybe they're coming just to serve at camp. What does it look like to give volunteers some bigger picture, some 
high level, quick training on having kids in their small group, just like you said, that have invisible things that we may not even know. Um, Talk to us about training volunteers to deal with those kinds of kids or really all kids that maybe it's the, the music is too loud and that just triggers something in their little heart and brain, or maybe like there's so many different scenarios that we could talk about, but talk to us, talk to us a little bit about training volunteers in those specific environments. Well, first of all, I say, so I work a lot with kids who've experienced trauma Mm -hmm. and because of that, often they have diagnosis, you know, of special needs and disabilities. And the the recent communication on trauma-informed care is assume the person in front of you has experienced trauma, mm. which I love that. And yeah. I think we should apply that to, to everything. I mean, Lauren, when, when I'm talking to you, I should assume, because it's true, that mm-hmm. your story started way, way before we started this podcast. And yep. that there are things that happened to you, whether it be this morning with your kids or, um, you know, early or, or last week with a friend, or maybe it's something that's gone like trauma will rewire your brain and change how you respond to things. So go into the conversation, go into the relationship or to the interaction with the person, knowing that there are things that have happened to them in the past, or they have special needs or disabilities that will affect the way they respond Mm -hmm. in certain situations. So if they respond in a way that we believe is less than desirable, rather than judging them for that, as I said earlier, um, train. So first of all, you're training your volunteers to be be aware that -hmm. there are things going on with people that we simply don't know. They're not coming in saying that I suffered abuse as a kid, or I was abandoned, you know, therefore I'm going to feel rejected by you or that I have autism. They're not going to come in with that stamp. So assume that. And then when there is a behavior, um, my, I I say, if you train, if you train your volunteers in just one strategy, train them and connect before you correct. That is a strategy by Karen Purvis, who worked with, she was a pioneer working with kids from trauma. So what that means is when someone behaves in a way that you don't want them to behave. Let's say that, um, you know, they grabbed a truck from another kid rather than go, you can't take that truck and grab it back from them, which I'm going, wait a minute, what are we teaching them? You know, (laughs) Um, instead of, instead of doing that, you connect with them first. And so I would go to you and I would say, Lauren, I know that you love to play with trucks Mm -hmm. and that's your favorite truck here. So see, then all of a sudden, immediately you soften. Yep. You're going, oh, she gets me. She understands me. And then you can say, and here in whatever, you know, if you call it, um, you know, in our kids ministry, I'm not going to let anybody take a truck for you. And I can't let you take a truck from somebody else. So we're going to mm-hmm. give that truck back and we're going to go find something else. But you see how just that little bitty yep. change. Instead of immediately going to correct the behavior, you're connecting with the kid, you're naming the feeling that they might be experiencing, and then we still have to correct the behavior. Mm -hmm. So then you go to correction mode. Yeah. So that could be to your question on how you train volunteers, train them to be curious and dig beneath and then train them to connect before you correct when you do encounter behavior that's not desirable. Yeah, that's so good. I love that 
connect before correct. And um, now I'm going to ask you a tricky question because this comes up a lot is what if ministries don't have enough volunteers to do this well? Because I I love the idea of connect before you correct, but if a volunteer, maybe there's two volunteers in a classroom and the classroom's like going bananas and there's too many kids and there's a lot happening and a volunteer just doesn't have the time or capacity or availability to connect, how do you encourage a ministry leader or how can you equip the staff and the team to do this well when it doesn't feel like you can, if that makes sense. Well, first of all, connect before you correct is just something that as you start to practice it, it will come so much more naturally. Mm -hmm. And really, when you think about it, that interaction I had with you, Lauren, when you took Mm -hmm. the truck, um, (laughs) it wouldn't take 15 seconds. Yeah, Lauren, I know you love trucks. I know that this is your favorite truck. That's all, that's all the connect piece was. So yeah. when we start looking for opportunities to connect with the kids, we realize we're talking about 50, 15 to 30 seconds extra. No matter how chaotic the room is, no matter how few volunteers you have, you have an extra 15 to 30 seconds yep. to connect with the kid first. Um, so that would be my first response. And well, we could talk all day about um, volunteers, but yeah, I, that would be my response to, yeah. I don't have enough volunteers to do that. I say you do, cause it's, it's, it's a simple strategy and does not take that long. And yeah. it's a strategy that it works well with my spouse, you yeah. know, instead of immediately going to, well, I thought you were gonna, um, you know, connect with them first and then go, uh-huh. it, it makes for much better conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that is such a good, honest conversation of saying, Hey, actually you do have 15 to 20 extra seconds. And I love, I love the idea of inviting volunteers to practice this. Maybe you're in a training and you give them three to five different scenarios of what could happen in a classroom and say, Hey, what would, what would it look like for you to connect? Like turn to a neighbor and connect first and then correct. I feel like this is something that ministry leaders can practice in a training environment and then be able to equip all your volunteers to do this well, even in that 15 to 30 second window. Um, I think that's really encouraging and challenging. Yeah. And better than giving them scenarios, have them at their tables come up with the scenarios that they need to correct. Oh, yeah. And then have them practice on one another and yeah. have them critique one another, or maybe critique's the wrong word. Have them do it one way and then have everybody at the t- table connect in a different way based mm-hmm. on the same behavior. Yeah, yeah, that's up. There's all kinds of fun, simple trainings like that that you can do with volunteers to equip them. And I'll, I'll look, can I just tell one more strategy? Yeah, totally. The, the power of yes is also a great strategy um, for volunteers to use. And so what that means is, let's say, Lauren, um, you call me and you say, hey, Kim, you want to have lunch tomorrow? And I go, no. And you're going, uh, okay, love you, bye. You know, you hang, I mean, no cuts off the conversation. Well, yeah. there are things that kids ask for us all the time when they're with us in the church setting that we say no to. They say, I want a snack now, or I want my mom now, or I want, and we need to look for ways to answer in the affirmative. Mm-hmm. So for example, in the lunch 
question. Instead of, you know, me saying no, I could say, oh my gosh, I'd love to have lunch with you. Can we do it on Friday or do coffee on Monday? I'd love to get together with you. See, that's a totally different response. So if a kid says, I want my snack now, instead of saying, no, it's not snack time, you go, absolutely, you can have your snack. We're going to go to large group. And when you come back, your snack's going to be waiting for you. So what you can do in training is have volunteers come up with situations where they respond no and come up with positive ways to respond instead. And then all of a sudden, they're getting scripts in their head that Mm -hmm. they can just pull out in these situations. And as a ministry leader, you know, if you're staff or, or leading the ministry, you can take some of those scripts and put them up on the wall just as reminders, you know? Yeah. Whatever, whatever the questions the kids ask that you're that you that you get asked a lot that you respond no to, well, just put the responses to those up on the wall. And that's a way to help train your leaders. Yep. That's so good. That is, I feel like that's gonna be so helpful for so many listeners. Um Okay. So we're shifting gears again, because we're going to talk about parent. We're going to talk about parents. And so much of special needs ministry is partnering with those parents, like we mentioned with the summer barbecue. Now we know that summer can be a difficult season for all parents because kids are home and sometimes parents are trying to work and they're trying to figure out childcare and they're like, what is happening? We want summer to be fun, but we also have jobs. And so it can just be a really tricky season. and. I think for special needs families, it can have just another layer of like, maybe they don't have the consistency and schedules are constantly changing. And so what would it look like for ministry leaders to partner with families with special needs specifically over the summer? What are some ideas? And I feel like we can even throw in foster care families and kind of families that you have the most experience working with, what does it look like to just care for them well over the summer months? Yeah, I think back to what we said before, just talking to them Mm -hmm. and asking them what they most need. Also understanding that for some parents, they're so overwhelmed, they're unable to identify what they need. Um, But one, one thing that you can do is respites. Uh, provide, you know, two or three hours where the parents can drop their kids off and you're going to provide safe, fun care for them while the parent can go mow their lawn or mm-hmm. go to the grocery or take a nap. I mean, they can do whatever they want. Um, so we, we had one respite where a husband and wife slept in the car for three hours in the parking lot. It's like they chatted for a little oh. bit and then they just, so, um, which I think speaks to, the exhaustion in raising a kid that has special needs or disabilities for those of us who don't have, you know, the, who have kids who are more typical, mm-hmm. we just don't understand. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting. So respite is a great thing in the summer mm-hmm. and you might have teachers or other people who typically, you know, work all school year that have more time to contribute to this in the summer. You Mm -hmm. could do it for kids with special needs or disabilities. You could do it for um, parents of foster kids. You could combine them together. Um, Respite is a great, a great tool. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, We always did a, at one of the churches that I was on staff that we did a parents night out 
And that was always like, it was always full. It was always like booked. And it was just like, you could tell that this was so needed for this community. And um, so I always did you do that for? Did you do that for all parents or parents of kids with special needs? It was actually primarily for the foster care families. Um, Just because our church had a large foster care community. And, and so parents night out was, we had people who like our volunteers had, have been fully approved and had been through all the steps. So foster care families could leave their kids at the church and feel like they were safe and taken care of and abiding by like the laws that were in place for foster care families. And, um, and so it's, it's hard to find babysitters for foster care families because they have to be fully approved and fingerprinted and all of those steps need to be in place. And so we wanted to provide a place where all of that was done and they didn't have to worry about, um, kind of not abiding by what was in place from the foster care system. So that was what our, uh, parents night out was, but in other experiences, it was, we've done specifically for special needs families. We've done all kids. So we've kind of done a yeah, and different things. There's um, Johnny and Friends mm-hmm. and Nathaniel's Hope. Both have resources on how to do a respite because in order to do it, you know, if you're going to have kids with um, special needs, you need to make sure you got the right people there. Yeah, you need to make sure you're getting doing the right intake, and they have all kinds of help yep. on that. That's awesome. You know, and another thing you can do is um, now you don't want to turn. You don't want your 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 families who have kids with special needs to feel like they're a project mm-hmm. of somebody, but you can work with them to figure out how you might meet some of their tangible needs. Mm-hmm. Like maybe in the summer they do need um, somebody to regularly mow their lawn. Yeah. Um, this time of year, you know, this is going to be in May when people are starting to plant flowers. I mean, what a cool thing if you just went around to all the different families in your community and just filled their pots on their front porch with flowers with a note from your church um, saying that, you know, we care about you. We're here to support you and hope mm-hmm. this reminds you that you're loved and cared for when you see these flowers yeah. in your pot. There's all kinds of tangible things that you can do also. Yeah. I can even think of like, what would it look like to drop off like a bucket of bubble wands or something like that? That's like an extra toy. That's a great idea. Even me as a parent, I'm always thinking like, what are new things that we can add to the toy rotation during the summer and to like open the front door and find some snacks and bubbles and new crayons, like all of that would be so exciting for kids and families to experience. That's a great idea. And when you do that, the staff should not be the one delivering it. Yeah. Um, Empower other people and link arms with other people in your community and get them to have the joy of getting to bless families in this Mm -hmm. way and bring their kids along to do it. Yes. That's awesome. Or great idea. Bring in your student ministry. That would be fun. Um, Yeah. Okay, so kind of as we almost finish our time chatting, I want to, again, shift gears. We're just kind of bouncing all over the place to fall. So people are looking and thinking about fall ministry, and maybe they are like, man, I really want to start a special needs ministry. I feel like this is a need in our community, and the fall seems like the right time to launch. 
what are maybe your like top three things that they can be doing now and throughout the summer to launch a ministry like this in the fall? Um, I'd say first, you want to talk to church leadership. Um, Let them know what you're thinking about doing. Leadership is different. In some places, they're going to want to be in on the ground floor and be a part of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Others are going to say, oh, man, that's great. You want to do that. Come back to me in a month when you have more of a plan. And that's what we talked about. But we do not want to surprise church leadership with a new initiative. Yeah, that is never a good idea. Um, Two, um, I would talk to the families in your church who have kids with special needs and ask them, um, do a survey, um, do an interview. I actually, surveys are fine. Like you you can do surveys, but then I would also do phone conversation or face-to-face because you get so much more information and Mm -hmm. based on facial expressions, you know where to dive deeper. Um, So talk to your families who have special needs and um, then build a team. So leadership, um, get input from families with special needs and then build a team. Do not go it alone. Find other people in the church. There will probably be people outside of your kids' ministry who are passionate about this, mm-hmm. who you never would have considered serving your ministry. Yep. And so build that team and then really get to work. And you're going to have to figure out what you call it. Mm-hmm. And I will just say, here's an idea. What we did is we called our special, we had special needs team and uh, special needs room. And what we realized is there's a lot of kids who need extra support who have no diagnosed special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, for some parents that are navigating diagnosis, special needs just doesn't feel good to them. So we changed our ministry to the inclusion team. And what that meant is that was any kid who needed extra support. It might be a kid who's going through a biting phase and is such an enthusiastic biter that they actually need somebody with them one-on-one to protect others in the room. Um, So we called the inclusion team and then the room that we had, and you don't need a room, but we did have a room at at some of our sites and we called it the sensory room. And that was just a room if you needed a break that you could go in. Very few kids were in there the whole time. And if you, if you don't have a room, you can have a tent or an appliance box in the hall, just mm. something where kids can feel like they've got their calm space and then have yeah. fidgets, noise canceling headphones in there. But yeah. I would sort of encourage them do it for one. That's my main encouragement. Do it because you do have kids with special needs or disabilities in your church, even if you're not aware and the the latest research shows that anywhere from one out of three to one out of two families who have kids with special needs have left their church because their kid didn't feel welcomed or the ch- church asked them to leave. Wow. And that's not, that's not cool. No, um, no. Church, we can do better. Yeah. So do it. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So the last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone brand new in kids ministry, a brand new leader, maybe this is someone who's specifically over special needs or just a ministry staff person in general, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Um, Welcome to the team. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad you hear children's ministry people are the most fun. I love they are. 
experiences with children's ministry people. They're fun. They're inclusive. Um, they're up for anything. So yeah, welcome. Um, I would say one thing that when I got into ministry, I spent so much time in the Bible preparing lessons and creating things and that doesn't count. Mm -hmm. We need to have our own time with the Lord where we're not thinking about what kind of activity could I create? What kind of small group questions should I come up with? We need to continue to spend time with the Lord. And I know it's hard, especially if you have little kids, so it might be getting up a little bit early. It might be doing it when the kids go to bed, but get in a regular rhythm of spending time with the Lord just for you, between mm -hmm. you and the Lord. And I would also say, um, don't do it alone. Yeah. Um, Lauren, you and I were talking about, um, we've both been on staff at churches where we were the, we were the only mm -hmm. kids person. And then we've been on staffs where there were a bunch of us. And if you are the only staff person at your church, find other people in your community who um, are also leading children's ministry. They don't have to be the same denomination of you. If they yep. love Jesus and they want to help kids know Jesus and grow in their faith, they could be great buddies for you to just brainstorm, to pray for each other. Um, and if you are a part of a denomination, if they don't already have a group of children's people, well, then create one. Get a mailing list of other people in your denomination, but definitely yep. get a buddy. Do it together. Yeah, that's awesome. What great words of encouragement. Kim, I'm so thankful that you were able to jump on the podcast today. If people want to learn more about you, maybe follow you on social media, learn more about how to get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect with Kim? Well, I'm on all the things, um, you know, Instagram, super simple, Kim Botto. Yep. No periods, no dashes, no nothing. Nice. Um, my email is kimbotto at gmail.com. Also super Great. easy. Um, yeah. And those are probably the two best ways to communicate with me. And Perfect. I love, I, yeah, I love, I mean, my passion is especially um, helping churches who have kids that they love and care about. And they're just trying to figure out how to best support them mm -hmm. and anything around adoption and foster care. But yeah, I've been in ministry for years and I love children's ministry people. So yeah, reach out people. Let's be friends. Yay! That's yeah. great. Thank you so much, Kim, for being on the podcast. And I am positive we will have you come back. Thank you, Lauren. Have a great week. Friends, I warned you about the note-taking thing. I hope you wrote as many notes as I did. And don't worry, this episode is not going anywhere. You can always jump back and listen to it again. But Kim shared so many practical tips for ministry leaders, volunteers, and parents. I mean, those examples of how you can train your volunteers is gold. I am so grateful for her voice in this space, and I hope her words were encouraging to you and allowed you to be more equipped when you are connecting with the kids in your ministry. Remember, connect before correct. I am going to use that forever. It is so good. Don't forget to check out the show notes if you would like to learn more about what Kim talked about or if you would like to try and connect with Kim on social media or via email. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can always follow Kids Ministry Circle on Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.